That just looks so refreshing, you know, of how hot it is outside. It is great to be with you. My name is Eric. I am one of the pastors here, and we are in week four of our Summer Snowball series. And like it's hard to have a snowball during the summer, this can be an especially difficult time of year for us to feel momentum in our life when it is so hot and sweltering outside. But 2023 is only a little over halfway done. And so the way that you and I define this year is still largely up for grabs. And so if we can get a little bit of momentum going right now in July, it has the potential to build into something pretty amazing by January. And so while that's true for every aspect of our life, we've actually been focusing for this series uh, on faith. I'm guessing wherever you're at in this room or watching online, most of us entered into 2023 with some kind of spiritual goal of saying, man, I want to get closer to God in some way, grow closer to him, and that's great. And so during this series, we've been talking about that and say, what is it that fuels the development of faith? Or you can think about it this way. Uh, You know, I like to make a good chili, not during the summertime. That's just torture. But I do like to make a good chili. And so what is it, what are the ingredients that are required for a good chili? Well, you need some chilies. You need some tomatoes, some spice mix, some time to simmer. Um, beans are a lot more controversial, from what I understand. In fact, do, uh, scream out yes or no if you include beans in your chili. So we're in Texas, <laughs> since that was a majority of no, I think is what I heard here. Um, whether it's chili or not, when it comes to our faith, what are the ingredients that when you sprinkle them into your faith, they actually lead to a growing confidence to and connection with God And how can we insert more of those ingredients into our life? And so that's what we've been talking about throughout this entire uh, series. And so week one, Ryan came and he shared about one of those ingredients, which was practical teaching. That something amazing happens in our life when we not only begin to understand God's word, but actually start to apply it into our life. That God starts to grow us in amazing ways. And so he shared about that. Week two, uh, Cindy, Ashlyn, and Katie at our different campuses shared about the power of providential relationships. And what that really means is there are times when we sit in our life and actually look back and we can see that God actually inserted different people into our life who helped us grow, who shaped us, who changed us in a powerful way. So we talked about that as an ingredient of not only how can we build those types of friendships, but actually be that kind of friend. Uh, During week three, Blake was here and he talked about the power of pivotal circumstances. Those are moments in our life that we don't always choose, often don't choose, but actually have the power uh, to change us and shape us. Um, They can shake us to the core, and that's where the challenge is, is how do we have the right perspective in there? But if we actually allow God to move and we have the right perspective, those moments can, can powerfully impact our faith. Next week, Ryan will come back to conclude uh, with the final ingredient. Um, Here's a hint. It starts with a P because us pastors, we love alliteration. So there'll be a P word for that. But for this week, what I want to spend a few minutes talking to you about is the power of private disciplines and how daily habits have the ability to shape us and change us and help us grow in powerful ways in our relationship with God. You know, having a goal like growing in your relationship with God this year is great. But for us to be able to get to that goal will require us putting into action a plan. And that's where the challenge is. 
Uh, author James Clear, who wrote a bestseller called Atomic Habits, he argues that we often spend a lot of time thinking about our goals when we really need to spend a little bit more time thinking through our processes and our systems. In fact, this is how he uh, words it in his book. He says, goals are the results you want to achieve. Systems are the processes that lead to those results. Goals are good for setting direction, but systems are best for making progress. You know, uh, goals are fun uh, to make. They're fun to celebrate when we or other people achieve them. But the trick comes in actually designing the system that would help us make that progress towards the goal that we want. And that's where the challenge often lies. I mean, take like a health goal, for instance. I mean, many of us, myself included, had a goal this year of growing in our health and, and getting steps in there. And that's a great goal. But when you're in the moment and you're in the gym and you're doing whatever the exercise or rowing machine or lift weights, I mean, haven't you thought through, is this really working? <laughs> like, am I doing this right? Is this really worth it? Is this actually going to lead me to where I want to go? It's easy to have self-doubt about whether we're actually implementing the right plan that will take us to where we want to go. I think it gets even more tricky when it comes to our faith goals. One, because it's hard to define what the faith goal actually is. It can be a little vague. Like the idea of, hey, I want to grow closer in my relationship with God. That sounds great, but what does that actually mean? Like how would I know if I've been making progress, if I've gotten to a place where I can celebrate momentum? How, how do we know when we've moved forward? That can be pretty tricky. It's also easy for this to wind up being an area where we feel a ton of discouragement and self-doubt and shame and frustration, almost to the sense where we're not sure exactly what we're trying to do, but we know we should be doing something and we never feel like we're doing quite enough. In fact, it reminds me back when I was in high school, I was a cross-country runner. That's a long-distance runner. In fact, I have a picture to show it and prove that I have. Um, this is going to be more leg than I thought I would show in church. That's freshman Eric right there uh, going for some kind of thing. I was actually not the best runner in the world uh, because I didn't, I didn't love running. But I looked like a runner and they said, you should run. And I, I ran for a little bit of time. They had this weekly discipline, this weekly activity that we would do when I was in cross country called mile repeats. And it's as awful as it sounds. And it's about as clear as it sounds, too, where you would run a mile around the track and then you would walk for a lap and then you would run another mile on the track and you were supposed to do it faster than the first mile. And you would do that. We typically did three mile repeats. And I had a coach. His name is Coach Garuli. You don't forget coaches that are your running coaches, typically. Uh, I, and he uh, he would sit in the middle of the field and he had a very distinctive voice that still sends shivers down my spine where he would yell out my name. It would sound something like, Torrance! Like, it's just like, uh, it just brings back some memories there. Torrance! And when he would do that, it was never good. Like, Torrance was something that you could, there was only a few things it could be, but it would typically be something like, faster, or more, or you're lagging behind. And it's easy for me in my life, particularly even in my faith journey, for God's voice to start sounding like Coach Gurley's. Where when I do some kind of faith activity like reading the Bible or praying, 
that it's almost like I can hear God saying, Torrance? Thank you <laughs> for that. I'm here all night. So, um, no, uh, but where I can almost feel like God is constantly disappointed in my effort. Like, really, like, that's it? 15 minutes of prayer? Can't you do more than that? Like, that's really, like, oh, you, you, that's cute. You read a verse. Like, couldn't it be, couldn't you read more? And I think this is a pretty common experience that most of us have, that we, we set out, we, we know the power of habits, and we want to apply that power into our faith and our relationship with God. But there's, there is such a source of sometimes guilt and shame when it comes to this area that, that it can raise a question that I want to spend a few minutes talking with us today about. And that is, what does it look like to have a healthy faith system? One that's not based in uh, fear and shame and guilt, but one that's actually based in grace. What does that look like? What does that practically look like for us to apply the power of private disciplines into our life? And I want to get real practical, and we'll get there in a moment. But I think to start, it's helpful for us to think through the goal. Like, what is it that we're actually shooting for when it comes to our relationship with God? What is, what is the goal of that we're designing the system to take us to? Because if we don't know what the goal is, then it's hard for us to design the system around it. And the good news is I think Jesus wants us to have clarity about what that goal is. And he talks to us about it in John 15. And here's what he says. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, these are the, this is from a passage in the Gospel of John where Jesus is about to go to the cross. And so he's giving his final instructions to his first followers there, but also to all of us that follow him of what we're to do after he went to the cross, died, and then would rise again. And there's a concept that he, he clearly wants us to get because he uses the word that I underlined up on the screens five different times. In fact, in the next five verses after this passage, he'll use it five more times again, which, which means he wants us to understand what's going on here uh, with the word that we call remain or also sometimes translated abide. But it can also be a very strange and kind of confusing word. Like, how do I abide? Like, what does it mean to remain? I... I I tried to rhyme that last sentence there, um, and I can if I draw it out like Larry the Cable Guy. So what does it mean to remain? There, you'll remember that a little bit more. What does it mean to remain? And I'm killing it today. That's great. <laughs> I, need, I need to get your autograph after this. It'll be great. I need you. 
You know, this word can be something that can be a struggle to us, particularly to those of us that are the go-getters, the entrepreneurs. I know we have many of us in the crowds, that those of us that are active and like to put in plans. It can almost sound like Jesus is saying, hey, come kind of cuddle up or snuggle up with me and just sit and, and be really passive. And I don't think that that's Jesus's intention here, as we'll see, that there's actually a lot of activity in what it means to remain. In fact, Jesus uses an illustration to help us get this point. He compares us to a vine and a branch. And I brought with me a vine from our tomato plant in our backyard. Um, It's already struggling right now. Um, If I was to invite a few of you up here, I mean, we're an audience that's full of very capable people. Some of you are teachers and construction workers, engineers and, um, and entrepreneurs. And just you guys are all very talented people. If we all came up here and kind of held hands and tried to hold this branch a bit, like, could we produce fruit with it? We would have no chance. Like, the best that we would be able to produce is we could, you know, take a tomato, and I have some tape here, and we could tape it on the branch, and that would be pretty pathetic. And that's the point that Jesus is making, is that if you and I want the good stuff in life, if we want the fruit, you must stay connected to the branch, like a branch needs to stay to the trunk of the tree or the trunk of the vine, that that's how fruit is made for the plant. And if you and I want the good stuff in life, the life that Jesus calls us and invites us to experience, we need to stay connected to him too. The Apostle Paul builds off of this image of fruit as well. And he builds on the image of abiding too. And it's in a famous passage in Galatians 5. And this is what he says using this fruit imagery. He says, the fruit of the Spirit, again, this is the good stuff that I think God wants us to experience. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. Another word for that would be patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And then, and I think this is closely connected to abide, He invites us, he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You know, as you think about what you would hope 2023 would be, and I just read those different different characteristics and words, who wouldn't sign up for a year of more love, a year with more patience, a year with more kindness? A year where we experience more of God's patience and goodness flowing through our lives. I think we would all sign up for that. And if that's kind of a goal or a marker that we're aiming to, I think it's important for all of us to take a moment and say, okay, if that's what I'm kind of shooting for, where am I at right now with all of that? Like, how would I characterize the current state of my life? And if you're like me... I'm stressed. <laughs> I'm full of stress. Like, the interesting part is I don't actually hide my stress all that well. Um, uh, when I am feeling especially tense, my lower right eyelid will start twitching uncontrollably. Does anybody else's do that? Yeah, mine will do that. And then people in meetings, I can tell, like, one, I can feel it on my face, but people start looking at me just a little strange, like, like I don't know, like I'm trigger happy or something. I don't know what that is. It was funny, I went to a counselor uh, uh, a little bit ago, and, and he said that uh, I was psychosomatic. And I stopped at psycho. <laughs> like, you can go out and tell your friends your, your pastor is psycho tonight. I'd see how that invitation goes. <laughs> They'll probably come. I don't know. Maybe they're curious. 
No, psychosomatic is, psycho, psycho is another word for mind, and then soma is another word for body. And so the, being psychosomatic is, is more the idea that, hey, when, sometimes I'll have things that happen in my body from a neck ache or stomach ache or, or headache or something like that, that there really is no other medical reason for it other than the fact that I'm stressed. And so when I read these words here, there's a bit of a disconnect for me that I have to process through, and I don't think I'm alone in that either. It's interesting, uh, back when I was in college, there was a kind of a dark comedy movie that came out that was kind of critiquing Christians um, and, and kind of how they acted in the world. And, and so they had one character who was, portray- who was a Christian, and she was frustrated with what was going on in her church group at the time, kind of angry at something. And so she, at one moment in the film, just yells out, I am filled with Christ's love. And it really hit me because I was like, man, that kind of feels like my spirit at times too that i want something but it's like man my internal state is maybe not quite what i was expecting it would be there's a saying in business that uh, your system is perfectly designed to get the results that you're getting and so if you're like me and you are feeling a bit of a disconnect between the words that paul is sharing and what you're experiencing in your day in and day in, day out life, then it's worth doing kind of a system assessment to say just, hey, how am I approaching my day to day? Does anything need to change? Is there a process or way that I'm going about it that probably isn't producing what I was hoping it would produce? So what does it look like for us to have a system then that kind of leads to that fruit? Well, one thing that we know for sure from these passages is that it's not about trying more. Like, it's not simply like, man, I'm going to be patient today, patient, you know, and you just yell out patience. And it's, it's almost like that's trying to tape fruit to ourselves. It just will look silly most of the time and doesn't work and leads to frustration. No, it's not about trying more. In fact, the way that uh, Paul describes it and, and the way that Jesus describes it, too, is like it's not about trying more. and It's not even about earning more that we have already been, in the words of Paul, made alive in the spirit or in the words of Jesus. We have already uh, been made clean that when you and I trust in Jesus, when we place our faith in him and say, man, I don't have what it takes. I'm depending on you for everything, for your grace and your goodness to come into my life. That what God promises in that moment is it's not based on our performance. It's based on what he has performed on our behalf. And that we have already been adopted into the family of God. We've already been changed and shaped and forever placed in his hands. And so it's not about earning more. It's not about trying. It's not the fruit of you. It's the fruit of the spirit. But as Paul talks about being alive in the spirit, he also uses another phrase right after that. He says, you are alive in the spirit, but walk in step with the spirit. Or as Jesus would say, abide in me. That in a world that is constantly trying to tug our branch away from the source, That in a culture that is trying to kind of subvert who we are in Jesus, who in a a world that is trying to pull us to pursue lesser things that that seem to promise value, that seem to promise the, the peace and security and love that we long for, that abiding is a process of constantly reattaching every sinew of our branch back to the source. 
I, I like how author John Mark Comer words it. He says it this way. He says, abiding is learning to live in a constant state of awareness of and connection to Jesus through the Spirit. That it's a constant directing and redirecting our minds and our hearts and our bodies back towards him each and every moment throughout the day. And I like how he worded it because it is a learning process. It is not something that any of us will naturally do. That's why we are all trainers. We're all moving towards that goal, but none of us really do it completely perfectly. All of us have room to grow, and there's opportunities to try to learn how to do that more. Um, It's a process, again, not of trying, but actually of training. And the Apostle Paul is a helpful trainer to you and I as we try to picture, hey, that sounds nice what John Mark Comer is saying, but how do I actually live that out in my life? The Apostle Paul illustrates this in his life on how he goes about abiding. I think the best example that has impacted me the most has come from 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10, where Paul is about to... is uh, is is dealing with a what he calls a thorn-in-the-flesh issue. Um, he never fully explains what this issue is. He just calls it a thorn in the flesh. But we know it was something that was impacting his day in and day out life. And it was painful and frustrating. And it was something that he wanted God to simply fix. And this is what God's answer was back to him, starting in verse 9. He says, but he said to me, this is God. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest upon me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I often think that my weaknesses are something that are offensive that need to be hidden or are obstacles that need to be overcome. And what Paul is saying is that it's none of those things, that our weaknesses are actually opportunities for us to experience God's presence and power in a very meaningful way. There are opportunities for us to abide. And that opportunity presents itself daily for you, for me, for everybody. In fact, over the last uh, month or so, I've turned Second uh, Corinthians 12 into a prayer uh, where I've kind of said, OK, like if this is the model that Paul is presenting to me, I'm going to think of a way at the moment that I am feeling kind of weak. And instead of just trying to push it aside or kind of deal with it, I'm actually going to like in this moment, take it to God and just acknowledge how I'm feeling weak, kind of not sugarcoat it, just bring it to him. And then in that moment, ask him to meet me with his strength in a very specific way. And so like how this has worked, I mean, I've had plenty of opportunities over the last month for that to happen. Uh, A few of them that come to mind was I was walking into a meeting that I felt totally unqualified to be in. Uh, where I felt like, you know, and pastors can often feel this way, where if someone is struggling with an issue or there's something huge that's going on in their life that, uh, you know, I felt this pressure, like, man, what is it that I actually have to say? And so I remember trying to almost do the fake it till you make it approach of like, okay, like, let me just, you know, put on, and, and it was a moment for me to stop and say, okay, God, like, I, I am not qualified for this conversation. And I need your wisdom, I need your strength to come in in this moment so that I can experience that. 
Or as I was writing actually this section of the message, I was in a Starbucks uh, last weekend, and when I was there, my computer crashed. And I'd like to say I had a great reaction to that, <laughs> but I did not. Which is strange when you're writing a message. I mean, again, just you know, the first thing you think of is, I, mean, I am such a big hypocrite because I'm actually doing the exact opposite of what I was just writing as I'm worried about what the work is that I've lost. And so, again, as I'm having this bad reaction, as I'm feeling frustrated and I'm feeling like a hypocrite, instead of just trying to move forward, I was like, okay, this is an opportunity for me to bring that feeling, that frustration to God. Or, final example, um, we have a three-year-old daughter who we are potty training right now. And that presents many, many opportunities of frustration (laughs) and pain. Um, And honestly, I just, when we started the process, I I just wanted God to come in and tap his wand and boom, she's walking out of the bathroom, washing her hands and saying, man, everything's good. And yet, in that process and realizing that, I actually would have missed out on several opportunities to bring the frustration and angst and worry because we're actually trying, we have a deadline, we have preschool and she needs to be potty trained by preschool. I'm feeling that pressure that this is an opportunity not for me to rush past it or fix it, that God is actually presenting this as a chance for me to connect with him. There are opportunities like that every day and that is what training ourselves looks like in the moment. And there are other time-tested practices that Christians throughout history have done that are essentially expressions of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where we acknowledge our weakness and we ask for God's strength. Um, We'll list a few of them up on the screens here. I mean, prayer is a clear one. I mean, that is essentially what prayer is, where we are asking for God to meet us in the moment with his wisdom and strength. Same as when you think of reading and meditating on Scripture. Those practices are not just to check off a box. God's not asking you to pass a knowledge test and understand all of the intricacies of the Old Testament or New Testament. It is a chance for us to acknowledge that we don't have the perspective that we need, that we need God to come in and meet us with his voice, with his truth and his perspective in that moment. Or when you think of finding, there are places throughout our week that we love to find meaning and identity and security in. It could be something like our money or our busy schedules or even our resources and things like food. That ancient practices that you could still, that Christians have done throughout history and we still do today. Ancient practices like finding rest and solitude, keeping the Sabbath or giving and being generous or Uh, fasting, those are ways for us to basically say, man, my identity, my strength does not come from these things. I'm training my body to be open to the spirit. It's the difference between trying and training. And that is you and I engage with these different practices. It's trying to expand our capacity to experience the presence of God in every moment throughout the day. It's kind of like if you think of the difference between trying and training that like if I was to set out and try to do a marathon tomorrow, I would fail at it. It would not go well. But I can start to train for a marathon tomorrow where little by little, moment by moment, each day I start to expand my capacity to be able to breathe and to be able to take on that goal. Likewise, 
If I set out tomorrow to try to be a person who embodies the fruit of the Spirit in every single moment and every single part of the day, that's going to be a very frustrating experience. But I can train to start each moment more more and more each moment to expand my capacity like a runner, to fill my lungs more and more so that I can experience more and more of him throughout the day. And so I want to get real practical here for a moment and talk a bit about what your system and training plan looks like. Because each of us have room to grow and each of us are in this training part together. And the spirit of this series has been, how can we get momentum? You know, and as I flashed up on the screen some of those different practices and things that that Christians can do. Um, Some of that is probably really helpful, and some of that can be very, very overwhelming as well. It's like, man, I already felt guilty enough that I wasn't doing enough, and now you listed out some other things. And so I want to help us get some momentum in as you think through your training plan and kind of, hey, what does it look like for a next step for you? And to get there, I want to talk about a few common hurdles that we run to on the track of our training. And how to maybe get over that hurdle in a way that keeps us moving forward. And the first hurdle is perfectionism. You know, when we run into the hurdle of perfectionism, it's kind of this idea that it's easy to get into our heads when it comes to some of these practices. Again, I feel this way in the gym all the time. That, hey, I'm not going to try a new exercise or do something new uh, because I have a fear of looking foolish. Like, I don't want to be the guy that doesn't know what he's doing or looking, looking like man, that guy is trying this for the first time. And so oftentimes, I think when it comes to a new practice, we wait until we feel like we can do it perfectly. Or we wait until we have the perfect plan. And when we have that mindset, the, the problem with it is, is that it's actually training us to think of some of these tasks uh, or these activities as tasks to be performed. It's almost like, hey, if I go out and pray that God is Simon Cowell on America's Got Talent and you know, hopefully he doesn't hit the X, but maybe if I can at least get a, a nod of like good, that that's the goal of what we're trying to do. But the difference is, is that perfectionism actually holds us back from the goal of what these activities are trying to do. These activities are about connection. What's interesting about connection is you and I um, are most connected to the people that are most open to showing their imperfections. That actually imperfection is the way that you and I can relate to each other and feel authenticity. That's true in our human relationships. And it's also true in the way that we relate to a perfect God. That God is not asking you to perform a task. task. He's not asking you to perform some kind of routine. He's not a judge that's sitting up there and saying, I can't believe that was the prayer you prayed. He wants connection. And if you are holding back, and I hear this with prayer all the time, that people feel like, man, I just don't know the words to say. You're the pastor, you understand what it is, that we're missing the point. And the point is for us to actually take steps and say, man, our Heavenly Father wants to connect with me, and I can talk to Him, and let me just do that. And so don't let perfectionism stop you. Remember the big goal. Again, the big goal is to connect. And we often do that most when we're most imperfect. Another hurdle is comparison. Um, This happens a lot. It's kind of similar to perfectionism, but it it happens a lot in spiritual circles where we kind of look at someone else who uh, had a resource or a book or maybe there's a practice or a way that they go about their faith that is working awesome for them. And then we try to do the same thing and it just is a struggle. And that can be a really scary feeling because when that happens, it's almost like I've thought this before. Is there something wrong with me? Like, am I just not maybe 
good Christian? Like, am I just not the person that I'm supposed to be? But the thing is, with comparison, is that God uniquely wired each of us uh, to be uniquely you. And that there are things that will connect with some person better than other people. And so the goal for you and I is to actually think through, like, okay, how has God uniquely wired me? Like, where are my sweet spots as a person? Like, if the goal is to abide in the Spirit and to walk with Him more and more each day, um, where am I most attuned to that? For some of you, that is in a quiet spot in a chair near a window. For others of us, like, it means, man, I gotta be moving and walking around. Like, if I have to sit still for too long, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna struggle. Like, famous, he's a famous author, Bob Goff. We've had him speak here before too, and he shared this in his last message at Chase Oaks. He said, I've never had a quiet time in my life. Because Bob is a talker. Like, he is just, he's like, I'm, I'm talking with God. God's talking back with me. I'm walking around because that's just how God wired Bob to work. And so the goal is not to compare ourselves to what someone else, it's to think through, okay, where am I most attuned to the Spirit? Where are those sweet spots for me? And to build a training plan that leverages those moments and those opportunities in your life. A third hurdle is boredom. And this is taking the last thing I talked about to the extreme, where we only do those activities that feel the most comfortable to us. Honestly, I think if a number of us were uh, just kind of being honest about it right now, we would say that we're in a rut when it comes to some of these activities. We've been doing the same thing for too long. Um, it, it's easy to do. Sometimes it's based on a fear of trying something new where, again, we don't want to look foolish, so it's hard to try something new. But God is in the stretching business. And, and in fact, that's kind of how growth works. Um, Again, as I talked about from my high school experience, I was a runner, and so I am one of those weird people that is most comfortable on a treadmill, whereas I am not comfortable in the weight room. And so I could just sit on the treadmill and keep doing that thing, but if I talked to any trainer, they would say, you know what, like for you to grow, you've got to stretch yourself and try something different. And that's the same with our spirituality too. I've kind of felt like a good rule of thumb is that a majority of your time is probably spent in those activities that are in your sweet spot. But every season you have maybe a way that you're thinking through, hey, how can I stretch myself? Uh, How can I grow? We actually have some resources that would help you think that through. Like on our app and on our website, we have a a spiritual growth resource that uh, different pastors here kind of put together different books and podcasts and Articles that talk about different ways that you can grow in your faith. Um, A few that I would highlight for you is if you were seeing me list out those different practices and interested in trying one of those, that there is a a website called Practicing the Way or also a podcast called Rule of Life that would help you look at a deep dive of prayer or a deep dive into solitude. And that could be a great way to stretch yourself. For me personally, like I, uh, you know, my Bible reading plan, I just felt like I wasn't uh, stretching myself enough. And so this year I started a new reading plan called the Bible Recap that takes me through parts of the Bible I wouldn't normally go through. And uh, there's a short podcast to listen to each day that helps me understand what it is I'm reading. So that's, that's a way that I'm stretching myself. But what is it for you? Like, is there a chance that maybe your training plan has gotten into a bit of a rut? The last hurdle I'll talk about is interruption. Um, and this one's personal to me because uh, it defines my season right now. In fact, I have three little interruptions in my life, and I'll pop them up on the screen. 
Um, they are uh, they are my uh, eight year old, seven year old, and three year old. They don't they don't care about my spiritual growth plan. Let's be honest. Um, there's a lot of times where I set out with great intentions of this is what I'm going to do in this moment. I'm really trying to attune myself to the spirit of Jesus and walk in step with the spirit. I've got this plan play. And and then, boom, it's like, you know, there's there's some thing or some reason that pulls me from that plan. And that can be really disruptive and really frustrating. And, and you have your disruptions, too. I'm sure there's plenty of those disruptions, whether it's a... Um, it's a work situation or a challenging relationship or a, a health issue of some kind. Um, what I've found to be helpful for me is to see that those interruptions and disruptions not as obstacles, but again, as opportunities. Again, if the goal is to complete a task, then that can be really frustrating. But if the goal is to train in my capacity to abide in the spirit, throughout the day if the goal is to for 2023 to be a year where i experience more of jesus flowing through me like his spirit producing what only he can produce and a a deep sense of love a deep sense of patience a deep sense of goodness and if i'm training towards that goal then any number of disruptions and frustrations can actually be opportunities opportunities to pray that second corinthians 12 prayer And so in a moment, we're actually going to have an opportunity to do that. Because I actually think that's a great place to start. That if you don't know, like, hey, I'm new to this whole thing. What does this look like? I think where I would start, if I was you, is to say, hey, each day I'm going to wake up. Or maybe at some point in the day, I'm going to pause. When I feel some sense of angst or anxiety, I'm going to pause. If I feel some sense of frustration or just insecurity, whenever I feel some kind of weakness, I'm going to present that weakness to God and invite him to come in. And so in a moment, we're going to pray that prayer together. But I want to close with this to say, how's your system doing? You know, when you think of the results that you're hoping to get, is there a place that you need to fine tune somewhere? Um, What I love about this series is actually our system is pretty interconnected when you think about it. You know, there are private disciplines and things that we can do on our own, but we also need the encouragement of friends to help us get to where we want to go. That these practices are based on basically God's word and applying it into our life each and every day. And that these practices are very, very helpful when you're in the midst of a pivotal circumstance that as life is maybe shattering around us, that we've worked in some kind of system into our life that prepares us for those. That it's interconnected with it. And so this series has been one to think through. If there's just one way that I can get momentum in that system that leads me to where 2023 is a year of deep sense of God's love for me, that's a win. And so I'd love to guide us through a prayer. So if you would, could you close your eyes with me as we maybe take a step in our system here? Prayer again is just talking to God. And so what I'd love for you to do right now is you think of just right where you're at, your day and how it's progressed to say, where is there a spot that you have a weakness, that you're feeling weak? And to not hide that weakness, but actually boast in that weakness before God, to bring it to him right now. And so present that weakness to God just right now. Say, God, I offer this to you. 
And as you think of that weakness in your life, then in the words of Paul, that when we boast in our weakness, it's an opportunity for Christ's power to dwell upon us. And so do that right now. Just ask God, like, God, in this area of weakness, would you meet me not with more of my strength, with your strength? That this would be an opportunity for me to connect my branch back to your vine. That your spirit would flow through me and that there would be a fruit that would be produced of that that's not from me but from you. Father, as we present these places where we feel weak, that you meet us with your strength is such a gift and something we don't take lightly. And Father, as we endeavor to increase our capacity to experience your spirit flowing through our life this year, would you enable us to do that, to meet that goal in our day-to-day habits and all these other ingredients with our faith? We love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.